Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right, you guys, well, we are taking our next step in our Found in the Way series. We're exploring the most famous message of Jesus Christ called the Sermon on the Mount. This is a masterclass. This is, this is the core of everything that Jesus taught about his way, about his kingdom, about how to follow after him and what it looks like. And if you've been along with us for the ride, you might have noticed that it's a bit of an upside down kingdom. Um, Jesus is teaching things that are counterintuitive to the human way. And he's trying to teach us what it looks like in his kingdom. And for lots of people, it feels like Jesus is sort of turning everything upside down. And really what Jesus is doing is he's turning our way, which is broken and flawed, he's turning it right side up. He's helping us understand that in the way that I originally created things to do to go this is how it looks like for example for Jesus Jesus never designed a humanity he never created a humanity where people went hungry where people died because they didn't have food to eat for many many days that was not the original design right God's original design was not that we would live with disease and brokenness in our bodies. That was not his original design. God's original design was not that we would lie to each other and steal from each other and kill each other, right? That was not his original design. So when Jesus taught us about his kingdom, he's putting things right back, uh, right side up, and he's telling us this, your world right now can look like this. Now, now, not all together, not, not all across the world, but in your life and in the lives of the people who follow me, you can see this right side up kingdom in your life. When you have the temptation to lie, for example, you can choose to tell the truth. Right. When, when you have when you have a temptation to be impatient with people, you can choose patience. When, when, when you want everything within you wants to hate someone, you can choose love, right? This is the right side up kingdom of God that he's, that he's describing for us here. So we're in the section of the Lord's Prayer that's dealing with uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount that's called the Lord's Prayer. And we're walking through this phrase by phrase by phrase. And we're going to take the next phrase today. In fact, just a second, we're going to read it together and then we'll jump in. And I was thinking about today and what we're going to be talking about. And it reminded me of uh, a time. Now, I've, I've heard of this. I, I, I'm not acknowledging that I've experienced this. But I've heard of other people experiencing this. So in your life, there are few times where you will, ha- where, where you will have more clarity um, where, where everything will be in just like, like, like you will be more focused. You have few times in your life where that will happen other than when you look in your rearview mirror and you see flashing lights, right? Am I right? Like, like you could be talking to people in the car. You could be listening to music. You could be thinking about your 
day. You could be maybe on the phone. Hopefully it's like hands free. Maybe that's why you got pulled over. But when you see the flashing lights in your rear view mirror, isn't it amazing how quickly everything falls away and you are intently focused on something, right? You're looking at like, do I have my seatbelt on? What's my speed right now? Do I have like, am I talking on my, like holding it in my hand? You know, like you're thinking about all the things. Did I, did I renew my tag? Is it right? Is it okay? And you're like, you're, you're super, you're hyper-focused on what's right in front of you. Has anyone, come on, we're, we're real people here. It, it, Michael didn't even wait to raise it for me to finish the question. It, it was like both hands. Um, how many of you, how many of you have, have been in that place? Yeah, you guys have been in that place. You've been in there. Yeah, look, almost all of us, right? Um, we've all felt the pain of that. The, one of the first thoughts that comes to my mind is, now, whatever I have to pay for this ticket, what would I have done with that money? Like, what could I have done with that? And now I'm going to like, I could have I bought some hoodies for some kids. You see what I did there? You see that? You see what I did there? I could have bought some hoodie for some kids. No, no, you're thinking like I could have bought myself a new pair of Vans, right? Like, you, like you're like, man, what could I have done with this money? And the officer walks up. You rolled on your window, and the officer says, do you know how fast you were going? Well, obviously, no. I don't know how fast I was going. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry, don't. And, and isn't it amazing, like, in that moment, you will, all of your manners come into play. You know what I'm saying? Respect. You're like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. Right. Like you're like super respectful. You're calm. You're like you're everything like you should be in like the rest of your life. But you're in this moment and the officer said, and the officer tells you you were you tells you what you were doing. You were speeding. And you're like, ah, oh. oh. and so the officer says, I'll be right back. Walks away. Right. Is back in the car for like four years. I don't know. I don't know what's happening back there. And he comes back. He's got his little booklet with him. And then, have you ever had this happen? The officer looks at you and says, you know what? Um, I'm going to let you go this time. I'm going to give you a warning. I really need you to slow down. Stop driving fast. And you're just like, it's like somebody gave you a million dollars. You're just like, what? Oh, unbelievable. And you want to like give the guy a high five or a fist bump or something. You want to be like, but you don't want to like reach and like cause a whole thing. And so you're like inside, you're just like jumping for joy. And you're like, oh my goodness. Oh, that money. I'm going to do, I'm going to go buy those vans right now. You know, like you're just like, this is flood of emotion. Just this release comes in and you're just like, oh man, I totally should have gotten that ticket. And I didn't. You know, God designed our lives so that every single day of our lives can be like that. It's possible for you to experience that every single day of your life in relationship with Jesus. And so as we explore our passage today, this little phrase we're going to explore in the Lord's Prayer, 
We're going to ask God to give us a vision for that life. God, I want the life where every day I experience this overwhelming gratitude that you are who you say you are, that you are a just God, but that you have forgiven me and my life is new. I wake up and it's like every day I've won the lottery. God, you have given me so much. I can't believe it. It's amazing. And then we get to turn around and point other people toward that same experience in Jesus. It's possible. Now, I'm not talking about having like this like super emotional, you know, just like every day you wake up and your eyes pop open and you jump out of bed and you're singing a song and you're, you know, you're, you know, I'm not talking about like, you know, a Mr. Rogers kind of uh, experience. Um, we're going to go through the hard times, but I'm talking about no matter what this life brings you, you can experience the same feeling as when you drove away from that policeman and you did not get the ticket you should have gotten. And so we're going to jump in here today to our next section in the Lord's Prayer. Now, this is going to be up on the screen. We've been reading this together every single week. So why don't we go ahead and read it together again, and then we'll explore our passage. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, let's read it out loud together. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to focus on this next phrase, which is, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So if you're new, if you haven't been with us in this journey, let me get you caught up to speed. Jesus taught his followers to pray. He said, here's how I want you to do it. Start with God. Put God first. Don't just dive into your prayers going, God, here's what I need today. Here's what I want today. Start with God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy or set apart or lifted up is your name. So we're realigning ourselves with God. We're, we're, not, we're not in this life saying, God, I need you to help me live my life. We go to God and we say, God, I want to live your life for me. I'm going to realign myself with you. I'm not asking you to bless the thing that I'm doing primarily, first and foremost. I'm asking you to um, help me align myself with your way, right? So we, we go to God first. Our Father in heaven, holy, set apart, hallowed is your name. Then your kingdom. Ask God for his kingdom and his will to come. On earth, in my life, in Santa Cruz County, as it is in heaven. So God, I want your kingdom to break through. I want your will to break through here. I, I turn towards you, and then I, I go after your kingdom and your way. I want it to be that, that way in my life. Then, last Sunday, we finally turned it toward ourselves. And Chris did a great job of leading us through. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I come to you for everything I need today. You have everything I need 
for everything you've called me to do today. And so we go to God every single day. Now we finally begin to turn toward other people. And we get into this thing called forgiveness. The very next phrase is, as, uh, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so today we're going to explore this big idea of truth. The way of Jesus releases us as we release others. This is how you're going to experience each and every day that feeling that I described of driving away from the police officer and not getting that ticket. The way of Jesus releases us only as we release other people, right? This is our big idea of truth. Okay, so let's jump into the first half of our, um, our phrase, our, our part of the Lord's Prayer today. Forgive us our debts. Now, when we talk about forgiveness, let me define the word so that we're all on the same page here. When we talk about forgive, we're talking about a release. We're talking about canceling a debt. One of the definitions of the word forgive in the original language is to pardon or release from the consequences deserved by your actions. This is you pulling away from the officer without a ticket, even though your speed meant that you should have a ticket. This is what it means to be forgiven. You have a debt. You have, you have something against you. And somebody else takes away your consequences for your actions. This is what it means to be forgiven. So forgive us. Take away our consequences of what? Of our debts. And in the original language, this word debts means sin. This is what, this is what it means. Sin. Uh, there's no way around it. There's no more graceful way to say it. Um, it means sin. And so let's define sin. So in the Bible, sin simply means missing the mark. Um, if you've never heard it this way, it's like someone shooting an arrow at a target. And no matter how hard you try, you miss the target with your life. This is what it means to sin. God has a perfect way, a perfect standard. He has a way that it was when it was originally created. And when Adam and Eve decided to go their own way, choose their own way, their, the better way, they didn't choose God's kingdom or God's will, they chose their kingdom and their will, they automatically plunged every human being into a place where you are born with a sin nature. Um, we don't have to teach little kids how to be selfish, right? We don't have to teach them to grab a toy and say, mine, right? We don't have to teach them to talk back to us. Um, they, they, they're naturally going to do those things because that's the sin nature that we have. Every single human being that's ever been born in the history of humanity has been born with a sin nature. Now, hang with me. Hang with me. I know that's, you know, I know that's a little, I know that's a little direct, a little much. Here's what Romans 3 says. For all have sinned, every single one of us, 
We're all in this boat together. There's no one who's better than anybody else. There are various degrees of sin, but we all sin. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. There's a, there's a separation between us and God because of our sin. Now, here's what the Bible goes on to say, though. In 1 John 1, it says this. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and he's just. He'll forgive you your sins and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is the good news of Jesus, that our sin condemned us couldn't pay. And in fact, we're going to talk about that here in just a second, about just how big that debt was that we couldn't pay. But if we confess that sin to Jesus, if we turn toward him, and confession just means agreement with. So if we'll agree with God about our sin and we'll give it over to him, God is faithful and he's just, he loves us so much that he'll forgive us of all of that sin if we'll simply turn toward him with it. It's when we refuse to turn toward him that things get a little tricky. They don't go well for us. How has it been in your life when you've tried to just do it your own way? Probably not very good, right? Tim Keller, pastor, um, legend, who just passed away recently, said it like this. The gospel, the good news is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. This is the good news of Jesus. In fact, in Romans 5, it says this, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that good news? Isn't that amazing? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe that for you? Yes. Some of you are here. You're visiting. You're just checking this thing out. This is God's question for you today. Nothing else that I say in this talk will matter more than this question for you. Do you believe this that we just read for you? Do you believe that this is the question that will determine everything for you? What will you do with the question of, will I accept the love of Jesus in my life? This is what Romans says. Now watch this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So it works both ways. They're intimately connected, right? We are forgiven our debts, our sin, and then God expects that we will forgive others who sin against us. We can't have one without the other. They go hand in hand, these two things. Mark 11 says this, And when you stand praying, this is Jesus, If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So that, watch this, So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. 
God's forgiveness that he extends to you is intimately tied to the forgiveness that you offer to others. Jesus didn't just lead us to say, God, would you please forgive my debt, my sin? He put an and in there and said, as we forgive our debtors. Colossians says it like this. Bear with each other, forgive one another, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Watch this. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Hmm. Okay. All right. This, we're, going to a, we're going to a new level here, you guys. Because Jesus forgave us in every way for everything. So is God telling us to forgive everyone for everything in our lives? Yes. Yes, he is. Now, listen, here's the risk of me making that statement. I don't want to oversimplify what has been done to you. I don't want to minimize it. I don't want to gloss over it. I don't want to make a simplistic statement like all you have to do is this. I know it's complex. I know that there is trauma in our lives that that is not undone with just somebody standing in front of a group of people saying something. But Jesus has laid out the roadmap for us. His desire is that we would walk the pathway of forgiveness toward everyone in our lives. It may not happen today, but God's desire is just that you would be on that pathway. God, I want to forgive. I want to release this. God, I don't want to be bound by this. I don't want to be in the chains of forgiveness, of unforgiveness. Um, someone said it like this, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. It doesn't work that way. Like, like you're going to die. If you withhold forgiveness spiritually, you will die. It will eat you up. It will bind you in chains. And God is here to release you from those chains. Only God has the power to allow us to forgive someone truly. So let's let's let me let me take you to a story that Jesus told us that's going to just sort of maybe give us a, a a a word picture of what he's trying to teach us here. Because I know I know these are you know forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I know that these are these are powerful phrases and sometimes it helps us just to have a story, right? So, so, so let's, let's have Jesus tell us a story that's going to help us maybe internalize this a bit. So in Matthew chapter 18, Peter comes up to Jesus. Now, if you don't know Peter, Peter is of the 12 dudes that Jesus recruited to be his, his, his boys, you know, like his guy. He was investing into these 12 so that when he was resurrected and gone, they would take his message, this message, to the world. Peter was arguably the number one disciple. He was the guy. In the years to come after the resurrection of Jesus, it would be Peter who would lead the church. 
So Peter comes to Jesus one day, Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and he asked Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, the reason he asked this is this was the standard in the day. So the religious leaders had said this. If somebody sins against you, you need to forgive them seven times. It's a nice godly number. If you don't know, it's a number for God in the Bible. Seven. And so they said, you, you, you forgive somebody seven times. And then after that, you're in the clear. Like you've done what you needed to do. And so after that, you can withhold forgiveness. So Peter says, Jesus, what do you think about this? Jesus answered, I will tell I tell you not seven times, but 77 or some versions say 70 times seven. How, how many how many mathematicians we have in here? 490. Thank you. 490. Now, does that mean on the 491st time that you can that you can withhold forgiveness? No, Jesus is using He's using hyperbole here. He's basically saying, times it, times whatever you want. Use as many sevens as you want in that, in that equation, but you need to keep forgiving people. And so he says this, therefore, the kingdom of heaven, he's going to tell them a story to help them understand this truth. You ready? You ready for story time? Story time? Are you hanging in there? Okay. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven... Now, now, remember, so, so Jesus, remember earlier in this prayer, the Lord's Prayer? Remember Jesus said to pray, your kingdom come on earth, in my life as it is in heaven? This is what he's saying when, when he says your kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, you guys. 10,000 bags of gold. Does anyone know how much money that is in today's world? Like billions, billions. Let, let, me, let, me, let me give you a picture of what it would be like. So in those days, the average wage of a worker, take whatever that is, Average, I'm not, I don't even know what that is, but the average wage of a worker, this guy, like this servant that would be in the story, the average, age, the average wage of a worker would mean that to pay back one bag of gold, just one, how, how many bags did he owe? 10,000. To pay back one bag of gold, a worker would have to work for 20 years. So 20 years for one bag, how many years would it be for 10,000 bags? 200,000 years. This dude would have to work 200,000 years to pay back this debt. This is how big the debt was. I'm thinking as I'm reading this story, like, how does the king not know that 200,000, you know, years of wages is gone? Like, like it, the, you know, the king needs a new accountant, you know what I'm saying? Um, but that's besides the point. Um, this is how big this guy's debt was. 200,000 years of working to pay it back. 
which makes his next statement so comical, you guys. Look at it. Since he was not able to pay, of course, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So this guy, his wife, however many children and all their possessions wouldn't even equal like one sixteenth of a bag of gold. So so what was happening was this guy was getting a death sentence. It's over for him, his wife and his children. And guess what? They all lived as families. And so any elderly parents or anyone who came before who lived in that man's household, they were gone as well. This was a generational death sentence. Imagine what it would feel like to be in this guy's shoes. So much worse than however much a speeding ticket would be, you know? You know what I'm saying? I mean, just devastated. So the guy does what all of us would only do, like the only thing we could do at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Watch this. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. No, no, you're not going to pay back billions of dollars, 200,000 years of wages. It's ridiculous that he would say, have patience with me. I'll pay it back. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. This servant thought he only needed patience, but instead he needed forgiveness. The only thing that could save this guy was forgiveness. The debt was too big. This is what it's like for you and me. There's no amount of good deeds you can do in your lifetime that will offset the sin debt that you have. You can't do it. It would be like this guy, it'd be like you saying to God, God, have patience with me. Don't judge me. Don't judge my life. I'll, I'll pay you back, God. I'll do so many good things in my life that I'll pay you back for the sin debt that I have. And God would go, really? You're going to pay me back 200,000 lifetimes of good deeds? You can't do it. This is our condition as human beings. This is our condition. It's devastating. It's devastating. And without forgiveness, generations of our families to come are in the same boat. But watch this, verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and let him go. Can you just, can you even just like feel what this guy must have, must have felt a second ago? Himself, his wife, his children, innocent, no fault of their own, are going to be sold into slavery because of him. Right. Just all of this. He'll spend the rest of his life in prison. There's no way that he's getting out of it. And a second later, 
everything changes. Everything. This is what it's like for us when we receive the gift of the love of Jesus in our lives. In a moment, the debt we could never repay, gone. Gone. Jesus lifts all of the consequences off of our lives. He lifts all of the death off of our lives. He lifts everything, all of the chains that have bound us up. He lifts them all and he takes them all. And here we are huddled up in the corner of, of prison in this life. And all of a sudden we receive the gift of the love of Jesus and the prison cell door is thrown open. The light pours in, the chains are taken off and we're led out into the sunshine with a feast set before us. This is what it looks like to say yes to the love of Jesus, to have our debt, our sin forgiven. Isn't it amazing? Just that feeling, oh my goodness, this guy is, it's so good. But watch what happens. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. You know how much that would be in wages? It's a hundred days of wages. Just for giving 200,000 years of wages, this guy owes him 100 days. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with, he, with me and I will pay it back. Same thing he said to the king, right? But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Do you know how hard it is to pay a debt when you're in prison? You can't work. It has to be family, people on the outside who somehow get the money to pay your debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master, the king, everything that had happened. So the master, the king, called the servant in. You wicked servant. Now, now listen, think about this in light of forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you refuse to forgive others, the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed, which meant he'd be tortured all of his life. He was never going to repay that debt. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is how important it is for us to allow the Holy Spirit of God to give us strength and power and compassion to forgive other people around us. This is not a threat. Don't, don't take this as a threat. 
if, I, if I've harbored uh, unforgiveness in my heart or I go through a season where I refuse to forgive somebody, um, you know, you're not destined to, you know, eternity without God. This is not what Jesus is saying. But it, what he is saying is it's very, very important that you forgive people just like I have forgiven you. Take everything, all of the debt that I forgave you, and turn toward other people and forgive the tiny little debt that they have against you. This is the way of Jesus. And when we do it, it releases the power of God. Jesus modeled this for us. So he said this. He said, when he was on the cross, he was about to die. And he cries out. In fact, some, some, some versions have this as his last words. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And then he died. This is what Jesus expects from us. That we would turn to the people around us and that we would live the life of forgiveness. Like I said, it may not be immediate. There may be heavy trauma to deal with. But Jesus wants you on the pathway toward forgiveness in your life. And on the other side of Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. On the other side of Jesus offering forgiveness for those who had done him wrong. What happened? The resurrection. Victory over sin and over death and over hell. What was waiting for Jesus on the other side of forgiveness is waiting for you on the other side of forgiveness. Freedom, peace, joy. All of these things are waiting for you on the other side of you being willing to offer forgiveness to the people around you. You freely accepted it from Jesus. Why would you not freely give it to others? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways to, you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.